Welcome to Interdimensional Coffee Talk. I am Beverly Isla. On this podcast, we talk about the awakening journey, otherworldly beings, and how those two topics are closely interrelated. If you are in any way interested in discovering who you really are, what you are capable of, and who else is cheering you on, I encourage you to listen to the episodes and follow the guests that you resonate with. Everyone's journey will be different, so enjoy the process and be present to both the challenges and the miracles that come your way on this path. Today's guest is Laura Lehman Conrad. She was once a crop circle researcher and now is an intuitive with relationships with Sasquatch and the elementals. And Laurel's story is a fascinating one because her connections with other beings was not initiated by her and it really amped up after an injury. So in this episode, she will talk about her story, as well as her encounters with Sasquatch Elementals, how we can tap into that as well, and what to avoid. Thank you so much, Laurel, for chatting with me today. Um, My pleasure. (laughs) You have quite the experience, but before we get into that, I wanted to discuss your background in in how you started in the multidimensional path. I actually don't know the story, so... I was very curious about that. Sure. Well, let me think. Um, It kind of started in the early 2000s um, when I was doing crop circle research. And uh, excuse me, this is is the farthest farthest pack it goes. Was Was that research for yourself or research for a company? Research for uh, bltresearch.com. They're no longer a functioning company. Um, Two of the members have deceased. Okay. And the other one has had a stroke, so they're not really functioning anymore. But um, yeah, it was very vibrant in the in the two thousands. Um, so they're a scientific research uh, sort of organization where they did testing on plants and soils, etc., on crop circles from around the world. So I live in British Columbia, and here in the Fraser Valley, we had had a slew of them from about two thousand two to two thousand nine. Um, no one really knows about that, which is interesting, but because um, it wasn't publicized at all, really, other than in, in the crop circle sort of community here in Canada. So I had sent some samples to them in the very beginning, and uh, I struck up a friendship with Nancy Talbot, who was the person who is the, you know, the connection type person with, with everyone else that's working with them. And uh, so I started doing research for them and the Canadian Crop Circle Research Network during that time. So we do plant uh, sampling, soil sampling, measuring, regrowth experiments, things like that. That is so fascinating. Oh, yeah, we're going to have another episode just on that. (laughs) (laughs) It was very fascinating. But um, the personal fascinating part for me was I started getting them in my yard. What? It's not big ones. You don't have to have a huge (laughs) one. Not big ones, all kinds, in all kinds of different plants. I had tiny little ones in uh, just regular grass. Um, I still get them to this day. I still get crop circles in my yard just about every summer. I think there's been maybe one year where I didn't get any. And it's still that's 20 years. Um, yeah, so I get them in ferns. We have these giant ferns um, that just grew naturally under the trees in our backyard. And those went down. Uh, we have wild grass, um, different uh, cultivated plants like a spiderwort. They they go down every year almost because uh, they're very very um, succulent, so easy to for the energy to interact with it. Yeah, so lots happened over that period of time. Well, I mean, did you ever set up cameras to see when they were formed? <laughs> like that um, time? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. Technology wasn't what it is now that's for sure all right that's right so I just I didn't even have a digital camera when this first started so no I never did that but I took a lot of night shots and um yeah I have a lot of detailed reports from about those those personal circles as well as the others I did all the same type of research I didn't really do any soil sampling but I did the measuring and the so what you see in a crop circle are things called expulsion cavities in the plants where the Water inside the plant gets superheated um, very, very quickly. And uh, because it doesn't know where to go, it bursts out the nodes in the stalk of the plant. And that creates something called, they have coined anyway, an expulsion cavity. So there's a hole blown out 
And that's a sure sign that an energy has done it and nobody has, you know, pushed it down with board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that's the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I, I, I did that uh, type of um, research on my own crop circles, a lot of photographs. So were you so, spiritual at that time or this came first before your spirituality and intuition? It all sort of came at the same time. I had a concussion that kind of started it all. So um, I got that concussion and, you know, within the next six months, things just started happening. I had just to go to the interdimensional type of experience as I started seeing geometries, like I get up in the middle of the night and I'd have a, a huge geometry being projected in front of me and it would follow my field of vision wherever I looked, it would be there as I would walk around. And uh, yeah, different things like that started happening, uh, being started appearing in my house. So was it star was it startling at first, or did you? Oh start yeah, to uh, you know, I was just a regular person up to this point. So um, oh. yeah, it was pretty startling. That, that not so much the geometries. I just I was fascinated by that. Like, how did the geometries get into your vision? Was it like a light, or was it um, like how did yeah? Because how would it appear? It would just appear in your mind's eye and your physical's eye and my physical eye I, I would have my eyes wide open and it would it looked like it was being projected from my my mind huh. you know just right in front of me like I'd just say maybe five feet and it was just there like I was watching tv oh wow and no yeah. one like nobody else would see it just you well there was nobody else up <laughs> So, um, but I, I mean, there was a time where I was with my daughter and I was seeing them, but she didn't say anything. And I know she would have. Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, yeah, it was just me. And I would see grids and things, you know, um, and that went on for quite a while. Uh, haven't, that hasn't happened that much in the recent past. Like the energy grids? Um, you know, I don't, I guess you'd call them energy grids. I, I don't really know, but I would, my eyes would be closed for this. Oh, okay. And, and I would see all kinds of grids of different with different shapes and different colors. Yeah, I have some of those drawn. If I can find find that them, I might have lost it. Huh. Yeah, and then, that and then, was pretty weird. <laughs> so experiencing <laughs> these when you weren't spiritual yet, that did that make you dive into, you know, the quantum universe and stuff? Or oh yeah, I was reading everything I could get my hands on about spirituality more than than UFOs, etc. Yeah, I read a lot during that time. So, yeah, that was definitely a, a cracking of some kind. Uh, I'd say so. Usually, like, people get spiritual first before they start getting any kind of contact relationships. But you went the other way. You got yeah. first. Well, I'd always been interested in the paranormal, you know. Um, but, you know, I never really had anything happen up to that point um, until I had the concussion. So I really feel like that opened something up. Mm, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> wow, maybe your pineal gland just burst open. <laughs> I, don't I don't know, but it seems to be people with near-death experiences and, and sort of traumatic experiences of some kind that this seems to happen to in this type of way if they haven't had it from birth, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. What was um, tell us about your first experience. Like how did you how did you handle that? Like what did you see? Um, well, I saw, this is a very bizarre experience. I saw a man in the, okay, here's what happened. My, my children are also psychic and, um, they were really little at the time and they were having weird experiences as well. And so we would have two beds in our, my husband's in my bedroom, one for my son and one for my daughter on the floor. And if some, cause I was getting really tired going into their rooms one after the other, uh, because things were happening. So, um, my son on one bed, my daughter on the other. And so my daughter comes in one night and she'd been sleeping on the floor and she gets up and our bedroom door was open. I guess she didn't close it when she came in. And um, she comes over to the bed and she said, there's a man. And I can remember the hair standing up on the back of my head. And I grabbed her and pulled her into bed with me. And I, I sat up and looked out in the hallway and there was a man with a sort of a golden aura around him. But he looked like he was from the 70s. And he had an Argyle vest on and sort of longer shoulder length hair, dark hair. 
and he had corduroy pants on. And he looked really confused, like he had passed away and um, didn't know where he was. Oh. But this totally freaked me out. So I kind of blasted him with my energy and told him it was time to leave, which I wouldn't do anymore at all. Right, um, right. But I was totally freaked. Of course, your kids are involved, and then you're in protection mode. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. but my daughter still remembers that. Yeah, so that's probably the most memorable thing from that time period of being showing up in the house. Well, that's actually not true. The other beings would show up as well. Mm-hmm. So this and one would, seemed like a spirit that crossed over. Yeah, that hadn't crossed over. He was... Oh, yeah, in Didn't limbo. know where he was. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now I would know what to do to help him out, but I had no idea back then. Yeah, so there was another night where I woke up and I could see the outline of a small being. It, all I could see was the darkness, if you know what I mean. It was darker than the dark in my room. Oh, so it's like a shadow. It, it looked like a shadow, but I knew there was an energetic outline to it, that it was a being. And I'm pretty sure that's a, a, that was a, a being of the Ponte. So I've learned later on that they were the ones putting the crop circles in my backyard. Um, hmm, I wonder what their message was. Well, I think they're just, they were just trying to wake me up. Oh, okay. Um, and yep. I think they were trying to do it as quickly as they could without traumatizing. Because <laughs> this was all happening pretty quickly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so what happened after all this is I, I, I found a spiritual path. I was Buddhist for about 18 years, teacher and student. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, and then what started happening is other beings started to come forward, uh, elemental type beings. So for the so, listeners, what are, what are elementals? Um, well, elemental is just a sort of umbrella description of, of uh, nature spirits, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, fairies, elves, gnomes, Sasquatch is part of that. So, and I find that Sasquatch is often how people get started with their, especially around here, um, sort of interdimensional type journey because they're very accessible to us, whereas the others aren't quite so accessible. Uh-huh. Because a Sasquatch can go in and out of 3D quite easily and do so it They are interdimensional. They are interdimensional, yes. yeah. Yeah, you have a very strong relationship with them. How did that one start? Well, here I was at the Buddhist Center, and I was feeling like, you know, actually things were going okay. And then I started having these interactions with Sasquatch. What happened was I, I there's the wetlands down here where I used to walk all the time. I walked there for about, you know, 20 years or so, right back in the 2000s when it, uh, the crop circle thing started. I was walking down there. Oh, we see crop circles there too. But um, anyway, so I'm back there walking around and Sasquatch makes structures out of sticks and logs and anything, you know, grass, boughs. Um, so, and I just started learning about this because I'd heard from my friend Nancy who ran the BLT research crop circle um, scientific group. Uh, she had sent me a video from Mike Patterson, who's a Sasquatch experiencer communicator in Ontario here in Canada. Um, he has a clan that he interacts with, and the main being that he uh, works with is name is Nefetia. And so she sent me this video of Nefetia talking, and it just awakened something inside of me. And you know, there's a lot of Sasquatch lore around where I live. It's sort of where Sas- the name Sasquatch was coined and there's Sasquatches on all kinds of people's trucks, you know, stickers and um, people name their businesses after them. And they're on cups They've made and- themselves a brand out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's in the culture. Mm-hmm. So you don't really think, you just assume, you know, they're, they're real and they're here, but never ever thought about them other than that. Right. So... When I saw this structure, as I was walking the wetlands, it was like, oh my gosh, they're actually, they're actually here. I don't have to go in the, to the mountains because I was thinking, how the heck am I going to get up there? I don't have time for that. <laughs> Who's going to go with me because I'm not going by myself? <laughs> and uh, anyway, so this was amazing. So I started a gifting spot there with them and I had lots of interactions for a while. And I learned that the uh, Sasquatch that I was working with his name was Kahela, and he collected orphaned Sasquatch children and taught them how to um, be safe, you know, in the human world. So how to 
basically blink in and out of our reality, how to go through walls, things like that. Um, So how to be safe around humans, because they need to be cloaked a lot of the time. For sure. Yeah, because it's just not safe for them. So um, anyway, so I started interacting with them. I had some very interesting and unusual experiences. They would come to my house and leave me things here, leave me things outside of my yard. But there came a point where um, I started working with Christina at Light Body Academy, and um, I was starting to open up my multidimensional abilities a bit more. And then they passed me off to another Sasquatch clan that belongs to Brian, belongs to <laughs> Brian works with them. Right. <laughs> we always have to take ownership over these things, right? That's anyway, yeah. yes. So Brian probably belongs to them more than the other way around. <laughs> True. Anyway, I know you've done an interview with Brian, so I would suggest people listen to that. He has a lot of experience with them. Anyway, so I sort of got passed over to Brian's clan leader, Ari, where I've been getting um, sort of uh, interdimensional upgrades and um, lessons from them. So um, sort of how that all started. But I had to give up the Buddhist tradition because it wasn't being accepted. I tried to bring it forward and it just wasn't being accepted. So. Oh, by the Buddhist culture? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know which, that. Which surprised me. Yeah. But I, the two worlds were not melding, and I couldn't live in both. So this was happening to me, and I needed to pay attention to it. I knew there was something really important going on. So um, I left the Buddhist tradition. And wow. uh, Yeah. So working with Kahela and then working with Ari, and then... Uh, the whole fairy thing started to happen. So one day, the wetlands parking lot was closed. They were working on it and filling potholes or something. So I decided I'm just going to drive up the mountain, which is very good, like right there. So I didn't have to go very far and uh, see what I can do as far as getting some exercise. There it goes. So I found a spot, looked, you know, fairly well-traveled and not too too well-traveled though, because, um, you know, I'd like to go somewhere where there's not a lot of people. So I parked my car and I went up there and found this spot. No, sorry, I didn't find the f- spot the first time. I just thought this is a very magical, magical. It was, it was like twilight and the, it was fall and the, it was so beautiful in there. There's nothing more beautiful than the Pacific Northwest or Southern British Columbia when, because it's a rainforest, when the sun shines, everything is brilliantly green. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, I love that area. It's unbelievable. It's the most beautiful thing. So it's worth putting up with the rain because we get a lot of it. Anyway, so I go up there and I go, I got to have to come back here. So I bring my daughter the next time and, and we go up and, um, you know, it's pretty much straight up in the beginning. And she was going, you know, where did you take me? <laughs> so anyway, we're walking along and having a nice time and we get to this clearing and, and there's this amazing looking tree with this huge knot sort of in it. And uh, 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 opening at the bottom and it, it was it's, it's huge when she stands beside it she's about five nine and her head doesn't come to the top of that knot that's in it the whole oh my gosh uh, she's five yeah, nine so I would never have a guess based on that photo <laughs> yeah she is yeah it's, it's a is. big that tree is actually two trees that come down into one trunk wow okay so it's really big so very, photos are very deceiving. It is. <laughs> yeah. So we get in there and we're laughing going, oh my gosh, it's a fairy portal. And I, you know, I could just sense it. It's a fairy portal, man. You know, we're laughing and I'm thinking, because I've been looking for them my whole life, actually. When I was a kid, I, I would go out in the forest with my parents and my grandparents. We'd go visit them. We lived in Alberta where it was prairie. And we'd go visit them in the woods and I would be out there searching for them because I knew they were there. So... Well, even though I knew they were there, that was a very distant memory at this point. And I'm always hoping they're there, but, you know, really didn't expect anything. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, there's these brown wings up in a tree when I get home and look at the photos. I took a lot of photos. And that really sh- shook my reality, almost even more than the Sasquatch. Um, really? Discovery, because they're just that much more removed from our reality. I knew Sasquatch was in 3D. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So 
And I knew there are some people who can see them. I, you know, I still haven't actually seen them with my bare eyes. But uh, no, actually, that's not true. That's not true. I did see one. Um, anyway, but I don't see them. Like, it's, it's not easy for me to see them. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it takes effort. Um, so anyhow, we go back up again with my brother another time. And then I got, uh, I think you're putting a link to my blog up there. And where yes. you can go and see these videos of these fairies that I got um, videos of. My daughter got some video, which is also it on. Almost looked like like butterflies swishing around. Yeah. But you didn't see butterflies in the physical eye. No, and it was December. Yeah. So you don't see that, I don't think, in the video. But it's December 2nd or 3rd or something like that. This was a couple of years ago, last year, year before. Can't remember. Time's a blur. Um, Anyway, but you can see intermittently arms and legs, and then you can see uh, later there's the photos of the little fairy coming out where you can actually see her arm and her head and all of that. So there is a body in there. It's just they carry light with them. So, you know, on a video, it's a bit... Uh, the thing about her coming out of that hole is she was going more slowly than when you see them whipping around the tree. Mm-hmm. So I thought for a minute, hmm, how... She's got to be, you know, sort of accelerating during that point. So I just want to eat, 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 eat with a video. And then she showed up. I could see her. So that was shocking again. It's like there really is a being in that light. You know what I mean? <laughs> so since then, I've gotten many, many videos and, and, and photographs of them. I have a video of five or six or seven of them going into a tree. Is it um, always the same tree? No, this is all kinds of different places. Oh, okay, okay. So the place where I interact with with Brian and Ari and and that clan, there are all kinds of fairies in there. Um, so I've gotten a lot of video from from that spot in different places, not always the same place. Fairies are everywhere. <laughs> They're in your backyard. You know, they nurture plants, so you don't really have to go Too to a hyperdimensional space. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it's easier if you are in one to get those photographs. So how, I'm just curious, like, how do you, I understand they would be a little harder to connect since, since, yeah, they would be completely in a different realm than 3D. But like, when, did you ever talk to those people that can see them at will? Like, is there something they're doing that? (laughs) Um, well, there, I don't know. Uh, I have never spoken to anyone who has, I just read a book though of a lady who could see them all the time. And I have to say her description of them is very similar to what I'm seeing in the videos and the photos that I have. Um, uh, Things I've learned from other people is that usually you'll see the queen first. If you're in an area where there's fairies, the queen will be the one that shows herself first. And that's because they have a sort of a group. So I would call it a hive mind. It's a group consciousness. Um, well, they're indi- they have individual consciousness as well, but they have, they're able to have this group sort of um, mind, and they send, <clears throat> they send the queen out first to, as an ambassador. So the blue one that you see is an ambassador. Oh, okay, sure. yeah. And she has offered herself up to be an ambassador to humans. Um, Their communication, is it more like telepathy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. But there are a couple of books that are really great. That one, her name is Dora Van Gelder. Oh, shoot. What's it called? Dora Van Gelder is the author. It's not in print anymore. True, true, the true life of the true world of fairies or something. No, it's a true story. If you look up Dora Van Gelder, you'll see it. There's a picture of a, it's sort of lime green and orange and white. Dora. Is there a Dora person? Van, yeah, Dora Van okay. Gelder. Okay. Yeah, I'll have um, to look into that. Very interesting descriptions. She calls things different names, but um, like we would call something a mountain deva. She will call it an angel. So the, the deva that lives in the mountain um, and, and cares for the mountain um, and oversees the other beings there, uh, she would call an angel, but I would call it deva. Um, you know, same, it's the same thing, basically. And then there's another one. Um, Summer with the Leprechauns by Tannis Hallowell, a true story of her and a, 
a gnome, or sorry, a leprechaun named Lloyd and how they're working together. And I think this is what we were going to come to eventually here is that the reason these beings are coming forward is because the earth is, well, I'm not going to say the earth is flagging because the earth is, itself is fine, but humanity mm-hmm. is, headed, is down, headed down a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. And the thing is that they are going to come down that slope with us because our realms are so interconnected. So, um, you know, they want to get together with humans because we used to way, way back. Mm-hmm. The veils weren't nearly as thick, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. Right. So we used to connect with them and we would see them and, and we would have interactions with them. But we started to fall in consciousness. And, you know, as the industrial age came and things just. Yeah. Yep. Nobody wanted be, humans to be connected with them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that it actually started happening before that. But, um, you know, the, the farther away we get from our spirituality, this is what happens. So we get farther away from those realms. Ah, thank you for mentioning that. I was just going to ask, like, the connection between people waking up and connecting with, you know, interdimensional beings are pretty much interrelated, overlapped. Yeah, it kind of goes hand in hand. Exactly. And and the people are, those that don't want to interact with interdimensional beings, but still want to go on that awakening journey i don't know i just kind of think that it's gonna it's just a matter of time before you buck up on some <laughs> some well other i feel like these days it's happening faster and faster more and more people are coming forward there, there's so many people interacting with sasquatch there's hundreds of them and they're all over the world and i when i first started interacting with them i thought am i the only one mm-hmm. really this has to be happening to other people and then i started finding all kinds of them yeah, this is interesting because I didn't really, wasn't into this topic, um, but when I did, now all of a sudden I'm connecting with people who have <laughs> direct contact with them. So it's Yes, and there's, like I said, there's a lot of them. And they will, they will come forward to you in a way that, that suits you best, that um, suits your sensitivities the best. Mm-hmm. So they don't interact the same way with everyone. I'm talking about Sasquatch now. For sure, yeah. for sure. So I've been... I know you you told me not to or to wait until I see a structure before I leave um, glyphs, mm-hmm. but outside my window there's like a row of trees, and I'm like I'm just gonna leave one on the third tree, sure, just, just because. So I left it there and I walk by regularly to see if anything. Yeah, it's easy for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and no, no, that's good because the more you go there and you connect with that spot, um, you're you know leaving an energetic imprint there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the shape of the glyph, um, maybe you can describe that because I've been seeing a lot when I, you know, walk around here. I see a lot of small ones. I'm, I'm still at that point where I'm not sure if it's a real glyph or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the size they're fairly small. How do you um, describe the shape? Like it's like a not a crisscross. Like an axe? Well, there can be there can be so many different kinds. They make so many different kinds. You know, I just started leaving an L for my name, which is very simple. Oh, okay, okay. Um, you could do that. They make all kinds of different ones. Like they've left one outside my house that looks like a, a wheel with spokes. It was very big. It was about two feet across. And sometimes they'll just leave little things. Like I was out in the garden one day working with my husband, clipping rose bushes. And I, interesting, I'd just been to the Chihuahua conference, Sasquatch conference that year. That was my, when this first started. And I was back in the yard clipping roses and I came, I can't remember, I went in the house for something, but I had a camera and I'd been taking pictures of big mushrooms growing in our backyard and they were so beautiful. So I put the camera down and the clippers down on the stairs. I went in the house and when I came back, an oak leaf, which we have an oak tree in the front yard, had been placed between the clippers and the camera and there was no wind and we were in the backyard so I knew it was them or another example is um, I came home one night from somewhere and I put my purse down by the front stairs and I went to talk to the neighbors when I came back they put a stick on top of it <laughs> so th- well just the other day I'd gone to Whistler to for a bit of a retreat and uh but before that, I was packing up my car 
And I'm in the garage getting my, my husband was going to join me, getting my, the bikes and hooking them up onto my car because he wasn't coming for a few days. And I had this bucket of rocks. They're big, round rocks. I used to have one on each stair, <laughs> excuse me, in the front. And I looked at that bucket of rocks and I thought, oh, and I actually, I took them down because kids kept kicking them off for fun. I put, anyway, I got tired of doing that. So I put them in the garage for a while. Anyhow, there they were. And I looked at them and I thought, hmm, maybe I should put those back up on the stairs. So then I go and I go up the stairs in the front into the house to get the rest of my stuff. And when I come down, one of those rocks is right in front of me on the path. <laughs> so those are the kinds of things they'll yeah. do. Yeah, that's a, that's a gentler way of doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Brian gets some seriously uh, out-of-the-world signs like, ah, I don't know how I'd react if I just saw a face in my room floating. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can do that. <laughs> they yes. can do that. Yes. And the thing is that you, they won't give you those things until you're ready. For sure. You know, they're not going to scare the crap out of you. <laughs> um, because they know we're sensitive. You know, um, yeah, they're going to, they're super patient and they're going to do it in a way that works best for you. Mm-hmm. And in whatever way you need. And as humans, often we need the physical evidence. I know. Well, we do. And actually, at the end of that book, um, Summer with the Leprechauns, uh, she and her leprechaun Lloyd each list. So Lloyd lists the things that elementals would like from humans. And she lists the things that humans would like from elementals. And one of them is evidence. So I feel like that is sort of part of my calling is to to show evidence because I've been given so much. Mm-hmm. As, as an ambassador to, to these beings, um, going back to that. Now, when people navigate this path of connecting with different beings, I think a very important key is discernment because not all of them are benevolent. So how do you kind of navigate that and, and tell the difference um, or even protect yourself from malevolent ones? You, as a rule generally get beings that are a frequency match for you. So if you are working on cleaning up your frequency, you know, you don't have to worry about protection because if you get to a certain frequency, other beings don't want to come near you because they are going to be woken up. Ah. And they don't necessarily want to be woken up. I like that point, yeah. Yeah, so... um, Basically, you're going to give them a choice, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, they don't, they don't, they won't be a frequency match for you. So you don't really need to worry. I've never had a problem with beings that are, oh, I had an angry pixie once. Didn't like the fact I was in the area. Angry pixie. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> he kept flying at me. I've got it on camera. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, you can't see it with the naked eye at all. Oh, and it looks like yeah. a bird. But there were no birds around. Um, looked like it might be a hummingbird. Um, but when you slow it down, you can see its shape and, and everything. Definitely wasn't a bird. Oh, it's funny. Slapping you in the hair with his newspaper. Like, yeah, it's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> anyway, I, had to, I made peace with him and everything's fine now. Oh, jeez. But you have to understand, beings are usually the way they are because of wounding. You know, so mm-hmm. it, 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 if you d- deal with them... In a kind way, you know, dear one, I see your pain. You know, I'm here for you. Yes, yes. That is Which definitely is- key for, for people when they're trying to initiate contact. Is you got to go in with compassion. None of this, Absolutely. like, <laughs> none of the guns blazing and hoorah. Like, no. Well, yeah, because, but that's what we're like as humans. I that's know. sort of what we've been trained to do. And that's what's in all of our movies and when you meet an extraterrestrial or you meet a being that's not like you, even if they're human, that's what we do. We haven't cleaned that up at all. Although I feel like, you know, it's getting better. Um, But, you know, if we can't even deal with humans that aren't like us, how do we deal with other beings? So it takes some work, you know, cleaning that up. For sure. For sure. Speaking of work, like what, when you say um, cleaning up frequencies, what are some common things people can do? Like I know some, (laughs) there's a few people that still, kind of ask, well, what do you mean by frequency? Mm-hmm. Like your, people often call it vibration. People want to raise their vibration or their frequency. So by cleaning up all your, your um, shadow sort of stuff, your trauma, 
And how would you do that? Well, I go to Light Body Academy. That's where it started for me and cleaned up my, I'm still working on it because um, there's a lot. I mean, it's not just this lifetime. It's past lifetimes and ancestral things. And for sure. There's a, a lot of clearing. Yes. Yeah, it is. And uh, But, you know, you can get to a place where you don't have to worry about what's happening around you. And, and if something does come, you have tools to deal with it, you know, in a compassionate, kind way. So, you know, I would suggest something like Light Body Academy, where that's what, what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. So. And is it like, um, like the triggers, is that part of cleaning up vibrations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever triggers you, finding out what the trigger is and then cleaning the trigger up. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's so, it's funny because this whole awakening journey is not, um, it's not all peaches and cream. It's not <laughs> easy. No, it's not route. linear either. It's like two steps forward, three steps back. You know? Yeah. Yeah. One step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back. You know, it's like, it's definitely like that. Yes. Um, but it can happen very quickly if you're determined and dedicated, you know, it can happen very quickly, making that difference in your life where you don't have to worry about, I used to be so afraid of the dark and I'm not afraid of the dark at all anymore. You know, that's just a side benefit. A side benefit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Well, intuition is definitely super important right now because people's got to start looking through these illusions like that's i think i don't know to me that's the basic you have to be able well to- for sure <laughs> and, and that's that's what clearing up your blind spots does it 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 um makes a space for your intuition to come forward mm-hmm. and so that's the other side benefit of clearing um and once again i light body academy is that's what we do there it's funny like since i started with uh the academy the one thing the one thing that that's been confirmed to me is um i used to always underestimate the insights i get Mm -hmm. um and not and not um i guess second doubt it yeah since i started practicing with the academy at least i get feedback from people and it confirms to me oh this is not to be underestimated because it's pretty bang on yes i think a lot of people have that and don't mm-hmm. know it. And I was certainly like that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so fascinating. Because <laughs> it's very subtle, and we're not used to working in the subtle realms. We're used very to- subtle, very subtle. Yep. Oh, my goodness. And so you're learning to pay attention to those subtle things. Yes, yes. And that's why I love, like, uh, I would love to be a master at <laughs> telepathy because it's quick. Communication is way quicker that way than words. Yes, it is. Hundred percent. My goodness, what's um, what are some tools that people can do if they're feeling stressed? That's a very common state right now. So how how is like yeah? What is the most effective way to clean that up? Well, I feel like getting into your the rhythms of your body, into your heartbeat. So your body has many many rhythms. Every system has its own rhythm. But getting into your heartbeat and and being in your body. Because we leak energy out of our body all the time. And we can feel it when we're really out of our body because we're anxious or fearful. So trying to be in your body as much as you can by concentrating on your heartbeat. I'm just going to, you know, that's the basics of it. Because there's more you can learn about that and how to get deeper and deeper into your body. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically tuning into your heartbeat is, is a very practical, you can take it with you wherever you go. <laughs> it's funny. I have a, I have a stethoscope uh, from when I was okay. doing homeopathy. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to listen to my heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. That's so fascinating. Well, that would be fascinating because you hear it in a whole different way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, it just skipped a beat. Oh, it just <laughs> increased the speed. <laughs> you know what? I had an experience being in a a deprivation tank. You know those, what do they call them? Float rooms. Oh, I used to do those. And at first I was scared of closing the door because it was pitch black. I'm like, oh my yeah. God. And I, yeah, so I left it, the door open for like the first couple of times. But now it's like, oh, I closed so the door. Nice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I'm like, it's hard to explain how it feels because the water is room temperature. So it's almost like you can't feel the water. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's so restful. It's deep rest for your body. 
Um, yeah. But that's that's when I started doing this, and and I'd been in one of those rooms. I could hear my heartbeat almost as well as you can hear it with the stethoscope. I mean, not as well, but I could hear that second beat. You know, thunk, 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 thunk. I could hear that oh. second beat, which you can't yes. usually hear. So next time you go there, tune in and see whether you can hear that. But I feel like that's a great place to practice tuning into your heartbeat for sure, getting, getting into your body. Oh um, gosh, <laughs> that is yeah. Yeah, people have to experience that. I stumbled across it by accident just for the purpose of uh, not feeling pain because at that time I, I had a herniated back disc. Ooh, so I couldn't, I couldn't deal with gravity, man. I had to go in that tank as often as possible just to get relief. Oh, yeah, no uh, kidding. <laughs> but, yeah. That's, well, and it's a, it's a drug-free way to do it, which is great. For sure, for sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's a, it's, it would be a great place to explore that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Amazing. But I would say that's probably the best way is to to pay attention to when you're not in your body and get back in your body as often as you can. Um, the other thing about elemental beings is if you're not in your, your body, they're not going to show up. Yeah, that's right. You know, yes, I've heard that multiple times. If yeah, they're they're very very sensitive to human emotion. So if you're over emoting. You know, if you're overexcited or or unhappy or um, overjoyed, <laughs> too much of anything. You mean? <laughs> yeah, and and it's actually a very Buddhist teaching. This not being into any extreme. Yeah, it, that they they will be able to feel you coming, <laughs> and whether it's safe to show themselves or not. And I think that's partly because I'd already learned that with the Sasquatch. Partly why it was so easy with the fairies. What's their ideal? emotion to to connect with well they're feeling joy all the time and you can feel joy without being overexcited okay i think this is a thing feeling that joyous anticipation is the way i like to describe it because i can't think of anything that describes it as well so feel like you are in joyous and first get into your body before you do anything then feel that joyous anticipation and then you walk into the woods like you're a goddess or a god you belong there you're part of nature. You are of nature. You're not visiting nature. You are nature. So, you know, walk in there like you belong, not like you're going there and being subservient or, you know, none of that works, especially with mm-hmm. Sasquatch. They don't like it. You're meeting them as equal, equal beings in a beautiful, magical place. And then when you walk into the forest, you want to walk into the forest like you're walking in about two feet of water. So quietly, I know they tell you to make noise in the woods. Well, you might have to make a little noise if you don't want to meet a bear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but you don't have to make much noise for a bear to know you're there, like step on a few sticks, you know what I mean? Or clear your throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're walking in, doing as little energetic damage as possible um, or not ruffling any energetic feathers, uh, so to speak. So if you go in like that, you are primed for fairy interaction because that's how they exist with childlike wonder and humor, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's... Is it helpful to... Because sometimes when I go walking in nature, I'll I'll have my earbuds on listening to meditation music. And sometimes I'm wondering, should I even have these on or should I just be in silence? (laughs) You know, that's something I've never explored. Why don't you experiment? Yeah, (laughs) I should. Because listening to meditation music, it just speed, speeds up my time to get into an alternate state, right. which, which I'm just assuming would help initiate contact. Well, I know they all um, like music, but I think maybe do it in the car, take the headphones out, and then hum it as you go along. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Um, because they love music. So, you know, it's a great way to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard of the, the one account where the Sasquatch um like listening to somebody singing Mm -hmm. oh yeah I used to sing to them all the time when I walked around this wetlands especially because I knew they were kids I would sing you are my sunshine and they used to love that did they ever try to mimic it (laughs) I've heard Um, them I never heard them because I haven't they haven't been there okay so it was as soon as I started working with RE that relationship stopped so Um, I never never saw them anymore Really? Yeah. So when you start with one clan, another clan has to end? Well, I think it depends on, it really depends on what your goal is as a human. 
So did you just want to have a fun relationship with Sasquatch? Well, they'll do that and they'll do it for a really long time. But they really, they want you to move past that. They are looking for you to wake up. That's their real mandate. So um, because we can't work with them any other way, we need to be able to get to these places where we can interact with them on, you know, where they're at sort of thing. Right, right. So otherwise, it's just very chunky and clunky and hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this clan, he, his, his mandate is to, to work with the children, with safe humans, and teach them. And I think they come across someone who's got more potential or is looking to move forward in that sort of spiritual kind of way or energetic way. That is not what he does with them. So he would move you to a clan where you could do that basically into, gotcha. and you'll meet people they will introduce people to you <laughs> and like i met christina through them through the sasquatch i met brian through the sasquatch so um they will direct you where you need to go to take your next step um and so i was i was kind of upset about you know, like losing that relationship because i was i love the little guys you know well i love them all <clears throat> but i have a soft spot for the kids <laughs> and uh Anyway, I just asked them, could you just let me know you're still around? So they, they, they did let me know they were still around. It's just we're not going to have the same relationship we used to. And I, what, what I feel is that they would go on and find somebody else who's, you know, they came to the wetlands because they knew I was there and they knew what I wanted. So um, they're going to find somebody else who's in the same position I was in at the time. And right. start working with them and see where they can take that relationship. So it's like they're all working together to help people move forward with their, their consciousness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you have a relationship with one until you reach a certain point, and then another one will step in that can cater to what you need at that point and so on. Well, I think it, it depends on who you're, who you're working with in the first place. So if I had been where Brian is, I probably wouldn't have been handed off. I would have just been but I'm not where Brian is. I had to start with somebody else like, because I don't live there. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Yeah. So then, then they, then they introduced me to Brian and then it happened from there. Excuse me. Not fascinating. Jeez. I wish I was in BC. <laughs> well, and I think the thing is that they're going to give everybody what they need. So this is what I needed. This is how it needed to work for me, but it could work completely differently for someone else. Right. Yeah. You know, depending on um, how fast they can go forward or even, I mean, there are people that never do anything but gift with them. Um, That's all they do. They don't have any other relationship other than, you know, they're happy to have that relationship with them, but it doesn't go any farther. So like no teaching. No teaching. Okay. Um, because the person isn't ready for it and may never be. God. But that doesn't mean they don't want people to know they're there. Okay. okay. And those people may have no idea that they have an interdimensional um, component to their, their being, you know. So doing something like leaving something in their house would be shocking for them to the point where How it would scare it? them. Yeah. And they, yeah. pro- they probably wouldn't have a relationship with them anymore because it would be too scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they have to be careful how they deal with people. So like my, this is just my personal situation. And I'm not saying that's going to be the same for everybody. Right. Um, right. No, that's a really good point. Whatever works for them. Yeah. That actually like um, clarifies a few things because uh, I always kind of thought that to be able to connect with interdimensional beings, you have to be, you know, pretty awake, pretty darn awake. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? You're right. Maybe people aren't going to take that role for a while, but yeah, they can still connect. Well, that's the thing is Sasquatch will connect with pretty much anyone who wants to, mm-hmm. um, to try to, you know, help them move forward. And sometimes that doesn't happen, but they're extremely patient. But the other beings like fairies, etc., I think there's got to be more of a subtlety in your energy field for that to happen because they're not as accessible. Once again, uh, yeah. you know, you, you're going to have to do some cleaning up of some things uh, mm-hmm. and to, to really have a handle on your energy for that to happen. Um, now, with the fairies, um, 
is it the case where you have to go to their environment in the woods? Like for them to just show up in your living room is probably. No, they're here. They're wherever you have a plant, there's a fairy that goes with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Their fairies would be in people's homes. Um, nurturing those plants. Uh, I've, we've, my daughter and I have both gotten a little gift from the fairies. Um, my daughter was getting out of the bathtub and there was something on her back and there was this big iridescent rhinestone. It was like half an inch, it was big, half an inch, maybe not quite half an inch around. We have nothing like that in our house. It wasn't there before she got in the bathtub. And I thought, like, like physically on her back? Stuck to her back. Oh, geez. And, and, um, <laughs> yeah, they love sparkly things. So I knew right away that's, that's who it was. And I also got a little tiny magnet. It'd be like for a hearing aid. Tiny, like the head of a head pin, you know? So that was given to me by them as well. Again, we have nothing like that in our house. Wow. So I know they're here. I know they're around. I know they're, they're helping me take care of my plants, some of which I haven't done very well with in the past. So, um, yeah, they're definitely around. They're in gardens. And uh, um, one thing that came to light recently, I heard someone else say this, and I thought this makes so much sense. If you want fairies to be in your garden, don't use chemical fertilizers. Use something like um, fish fertilizer or, or manure or, um, because they don't know what to do with the chemicals but they know what to do with the natural substances. Right, right. Um, so it's not, I, uh, this person said, miracle grow is not a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the plants and, and fairies do much better with uh, natural uh, soil supplements. That's just an interesting fact. Now, hopefully, hopefully people will make that choice. <laughs> Yeah, well, I certainly... Not only about the fairies, different. guys. <laughs> Think about the pets that walk by there and sniff. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. So what's, what's, coming up, uh, what's coming up your pipeline? Like, what, how, how um, can people get a hold of you? I know you're offering readings, which is amazing. Yeah, so basically I do consultations at Lightbody Academy, you know, featuring elemental realms, etc. But, you know, I, I can do other things as well. So anyone wants to cultivate a relationship with an interdimensional being, I can help with that. I can help with clearing things. I can call them in to help clear things, um, things like that. So I do that. And that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. Perfect. And be sure to, to read up on our blog. I'll leave that link in the show notes. And yeah, Laurel is amazing. She introduced me to some of her Sasquatch. So yeah, <laughs> it'll be an interesting journey from here on in. <laughs> yes, I can't wait to hear what happens for you. Keep <laughs> yeah, posted. I, yeah, I see on my walks, like I see these small size. It's more like a Y shape, uh huh. Um, which is what Brian gets a lot. But they're also yep. awesome. I just laugh inside and I'm like, thank you, because it's it's yes, that's great. from the young ones. Um. <laughs> well, and then there are certain shapes they use a lot, like X's and Y's and triangles they use a lot. So those sorts of shapes and that sort of wheel shape. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for answering some questions and clarifying a lot of stuff. Thank you. And, and best of luck with your your Sasquatch adventure. <laughs> Thank you for introducing. 